Go beyond the headlines and deepen your understanding of the forces shaping our world today on The Political Scene, a newly updated podcast from The New Yorker. With episodes three times each week, The Political Scene accesses the sharpest minds on politics, offering insight and analysis about everything from abortion rights to the war in Ukraine. Join me, Tyler Foggett, for conversations with the most knowledgeable minds from The New Yorker that will dive deep on the most interesting political story of the week. Then, Susan Glasser, Jane Mayer, and Evan Osnos gather to hash out what's happening in Washington, D.C., with an insider's understanding of the high stakes at this perilous moment for American democracy. Plus, our editor David Remnick will provide you with insightful storytelling with a mix of interviews and profiles. That's all happening on the political scene. Make sure you're following it now, wherever you get your podcasts. I want to tell you about an awesome platform called Bonfire that we've just begun to use at Majority 54. Bonfire.com is the easiest way to design, sell, and order premium shirts, all virtually and risk-free with no out-of-pocket costs. On Bonfire.com, you can upload a design or use their templates, and they'll take care of printing and shipping costs to the buyers. Robbie and I worked with the Bonfire team to create a grab-and-or shirt for all of you to campaign in this election season, and it is available in a range of color and styles. I got mine this week. It looks really cool. It says grab-and-or. It's got a little or under it. And what I really like about it is it's sort of like subtle, so you can wear it when you're campaigning, and people will be like, what is grab-and-or? Rather than just like plastering majority 54 all over it. Anyway, you can do the same by signing up to Bonfire and promoting your own fundraiser to your community. And when the campaign ends, Bonfire will print and ship your products directly to your buyers. Their fundraising features let you accept additional donations on top of shirt sales, and you can even send all proceeds directly to your favorite nonprofit. If you're a political campaign, Bonfire is compliant with all campaign finance laws and can give you additional insight into your supporters, making fundraising nice and hassle-free. Bonfire is trusted by the Women's March, California Women's List, Rock the Vote, and now us at Majority 54. You can check out the Grab an Or shirt that we designed at wondermedianetwork.com slash bonfire to continue supporting the show and our team at Wonder Media Network so that they can keep creating podcasts that amplify underrepresented voices. And please sign up to their platform and keep using your own platform for good at wondermedianetwork.com slash bonfire. Hey, everybody, we're about to play this week's episode. But right after we finished recording, the Woodward tape story broke and Ravi and I didn't want to miss the chance to address it. So we're going to talk about that for the next couple of minutes, just the two of us. And then you'll hear the regular episode for this week, which is a great one with Shannon Watts. So here are the quick details. Uh, President Trump, critically in audio tapes to journalist Bob Woodward, made some claims that are pretty startling. So all the way back in February 7th, a full month before uh, the rest of us realized the severity of this crisis. So if you put it in perspective, in New York City, we shut down the city around March 16th, right? Trump said to Bob Woodward, uh, quote, this is deadly stuff. You just breathe the air. That's how it's uh, passed. And so that's a very tricky one. That's a very delicate one. Uh, It's also more deadly than your, you know, your even your strenuous flus. This is really important because the president, if you remember, was downplaying the virus all throughout March when it became very clear that we were in a global pandemic and a national crisis, uh, including but not limited to a tweet in March 9th in which he compared COVID to the common flu and basically saying more people died from the common flu than COVID. He had more tapes. He had ongoing tapes with Woodward where he continued to narrate his thinking about the virus. So when Woodward pushed him on March 19th about the virus, 
the president admitted, he said, I wanted to play it down. I still like playing it down because I don't want to create a panic. Jason, what do we think about this? Uh, how big of a deal is this? Joe Manchin said he doesn't know how the president can survive this. Do you agree with him? Uh, all I know is I'm super pissed. It, like, I mean, you know, this we found this out a few hours ago, and I think probably a lot of other people are really upset too. You know, our mission here is how do we equip our listeners with how to address this? And I think it's pretty clear in the early going that the defense for the Republicans and really mostly for the White House, because I think the Republicans are trying right now to stay away from this, that may change, is to seize on his words that I wanted to avoid a panic. Their defense seems to be so far, you know, he did avoid a panic. Look at the jobs he saved as a result of this. If you just want to talk about the economy, recognize that the virus is the economy. If we had treated the virus earlier, if we had stepped in earlier, we could have had a head start on the economy. I know things are different in, in every place, uh, but like at least where I am, you know, folks have started to figure out how their business can work. It's not the same, but people are now starting to figure out how to at least stay in business while everyone's wearing, wearing masks and most people aren't going into buildings. What if we had had more time to do that? But also, forget about that for a second, a whole lot less people would have died. And isn't that really what matters here? Obviously, many Democrats have called him out. You're seeing some tepid responses from people like Marco Rubio, uh, who, if uh, we had gotten this information earlier, we could have given him an award for it. But he said something like, some things could have been prevented or something, like like very passive language about it if we had acted on this earlier, which is like profiles encouraged to, to Marco Rubio here. Like you compare this to like Benghazi or something, right? Like where, you know, we're, we're talking about like much, much fewer lives, a much clearer story. And here we've got the president getting briefings and narrating on audio that he could have prevented hundreds of thousands of American lives. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty startling. It's like mistakes were made, right? I mean, it's yes, like some yes. things could have been prevented, you know, like that would have kept covid from hurting the baseball season that's that's some things could have been done better this is like get out of office <laughs> you know and yeah. but but that is not a persuasive argument with people so i think what is important here is to focus this on the future we've talked about this before which is just take this argument and say okay fine let's say everything you're saying is right and he avoided a panic here's the analogy i would use Trump is the mayor from Jaws who played down the threat and he refused to close down the beaches after the shark had already attacked somebody and eaten them, except Trump is actually worse because he actually found out about a man eating shark when, his, when it was on its way to his beaches. And, and you know what kills me about this, by the way, like when you listen to this audio, he doesn't sound like the president we heard in February and March because he sounds like he understands the science. And then he go he went on TV around the same time and acted like he didn't know anything about it and he wasn't concerned about it. And we all got the impression that he just didn't get it. No, he got it. He was playing dumb. And that's as bad as anything else. Yeah, I think that's a good point because I think the only prism that he sees the world through is his own self-interest. And so back when he was talking in February, his self-interest was to appear smart for Bob Woodward and be like, hey, I'm playing president. Right. So let me show you. I got this briefing. I got this cool intelligence. Let me tell you about it. Versus in March, uh, the implications of a serious pandemic mean that like his economy that he wants to run on is in peril and his own competence is at stake. And, and so his wishful thinking took over and he couldn't accept the fact that his presidency was going to be a presidency under crisis. Leadership, and I've said this before, leadership is about telling your people the situation and giving them the chance to help and be a part of the solution. 
ultimately what this means is he has no faith in the American people. You can say to your your aunt, your uncle, whoever you're talking to, he had no faith or trust in you and I to be able to be responsible. And he was willing to take the risk with our lives and other people's lives on the off chance that there would be some sort of miracle and it wouldn't show up on our shores. And we don't teach our kids to do that. We teach our kids, if you get in trouble at school, we don't need to hear about it from your teacher. You'll be in less trouble if you come home and you tell us. And right. he was the kid who was like, maybe the teacher will forget. Their defense this is that, hey, it's reasonable to not want to sow panic in the American people, which I find interesting from a presidency and a campaign that is taking the issues of looting and trying to convince people from New York City to Abbeville, Alabama, that there's looting going on in their towns that's threatening their lives and, and trying to say, hey, this is an epidemic that, you know, these people are coming for your homes, you suburbanites, and trotting out that family from St. Louis and trying to make everybody uh, afraid and divide the public. So the idea that this administration is concerned about a panic is laughable. You know, he stokes division when it works for him. And I think the, the best place to end this, because a lot of people are out there saying, oh, this is it. This is it for Trump. You know, when you, you mentioned that yes, Joe- Access Hollywood. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. It, exactly. And, you know, Joe Manchin saying, I don't know how you can survive this. Everybody needs to remember that the mayor from Jaws was still the mayor in Jaws 2. So, <laughs> so you cannot let up. We got to go and we got to beat the guy and we got to make sure that everybody understands that he knew the shark was coming when it was on its way to, from China and he didn't close the beaches and he didn't tell anybody about it. I'm Jason Kander, and this is Majority 54, the podcast that helps the 54% who did not vote for Donald Trump talk to those who did about the most divisive issues in our country. This week, we have a special guest co-host, and it is Shannon Watts, my friend Shannon Watts. Shannon is a mother of five who, prior to founding Moms Demand Action, was a stay-at-home mom and a former communications executive. The day after the Sandy Hook tragedy, Shannon started a Facebook group with the message that all Americans can and should do more to reduce gun violence. That online conversation turned into a grassroots movement of Americans fighting for public safety measures that you now know as Moms Demand Action, which has established a chapter in every state of the country and is part of Every Town for Gun Safety, the largest gun violence prevention organization in the country with nearly 6 million supporters. In addition to her work with Moms Demand Action, Shannon is an active board member of Emerge America, one of the nation's leading organizations for recruiting and training women to run for office, as well as the author of the perfect titled book, Fight Like a Mother. Uh, she takes on the gun lobby and gun extremists personally on social media and otherwise. So she's the perfect person to come on and talk about how to make our case about all sorts of different things to people who are persuadable and in our lives. And most of all, probably the thing that will now become the very top line in her bio forever. She is the first ever repeat guest in the history of Majority 54. Uh, so that's it. You just wrote my obituary. That's the big headline. <laughs> yeah. Well, that got dark, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a big deal. Like, so people who, you know, you, if you're listening, you will enjoy this episode. And then after that, feel free to go back and listen to uh, the first time that she was on. I still get people talking to me about it all the time. Shannon, thanks for doing this. We have so many people who joined because of that first podcast. So many people said, they wanted to grab an oar, which is something you say a lot, and started 
as a Moms Demand Action volunteer and now have moved on to become chapter leaders or even running for office. So hopefully this discussion will spur the same. It was really cool for me because we had you on and the episode dropped. And I think the next day, I just happened to be scheduled to go and speak at a Moms Demand meeting here in Kansas City. And I got treated like just a rock star <laughs> because I knew you. They were like, oh my gosh, it's Shannon's friend. And uh, it was really, it was really cool. Well, so. also I have to say our volunteers love spotting you in the wild in your Moms Demand Action shirt, which I see you wear to the gym a lot. That It's, it's a great shirt. I mean, you know, I got two of them. Thanks to, thanks to y'all. You've got a red one and a white one. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, anyway, thank you for being here. Uh, we're going to get started. As we mentioned last week, uh, we want to start each episode by talking about conversations that we've had with Trump supporters in our lives, because we know that many of you are struggling with having these similar conversations. So I'll go first. I went on Fox News again this week. I, I continue to maintain that that counts. And I will tell you that my thinking on this, because some people have said to me, uh, you know, OK, yeah, you're doing the Biden surrogate thing, but don't go on Fox News and legitimize Fox News. First of all, Fox News has a lot of viewers. Me going on there is not going to be the difference in what legitimizes Fox News for people. But the other thing is, I figure like my audience a lot of the time when I'm on there is the person who tends to control the remote in their house watches Fox News. And the person I'm talking about is like the undecided voter who lives in the house. And I actually hear from a fair amount of those people when I go on. Not as many as I hear from the people who issue death threats to me, but still I do hear from some of those people. So it feels <laughs> worth it to me. Jason, I, I think our listeners will be, for those who haven't seen the clip, uh, you'll recognize Jason's uh, playground analogy. And he was able to land yet another joke slash metaphor on Fox News. So you're now two for two uh, in the past two weeks. And I could have sworn as I was watching this that he was going to cut you off because I feel like at sooner or later, there's going to be a memo that goes around. You know, if if Roger Ailes were here, this wouldn't <laughs> be happening. Like, I feel like there would be a memo going around saying, look, don't let this guy get his joke started. <laughs> but like, I think he enjoyed it too. I don't, I don't know that host very well, but he, he seemed like he, he enjoyed having He you either on. enjoyed it or was completely confused. I'm not sure which, which it was, but... Uh... You know, a listener actually sent in a voicemail that I think echoes a lot of conversations that I've been having lately. So I want to just go to that voicemail first and then kind of share how this uh, echoes uh, what's happening in my life. So let's listen in. This is Jen from Keene, New Hampshire. And a flavor of both sides are awful argument that I've recently come up against is um, someone saying, yes, but there's so much money in politics and there's and both sides are taking that money and it's corrupting everything. And it's a little bit of like a throwing up of the hands and saying, ah, the whole thing is corrupt. Why should I bother? Or there's nothing I can do about it. So I'm just wondering uh, how you would counteract that flavor of both sides are terrible uh, during this campaign season. Thanks so much for all you're doing. Bye. All right. This is a great question. And, you know, I, I come from a Obama to Trump district where I get the sense that a lot of the Trump vote in my district was a an F you to the system vote. And I think one of the reasons why Max Rose won my home district was because he was able to uh, run a populist campaign that in many ways he ran against money in politics. And so I think this is a particularly important series of arguments for us to pay attention to because people not voting who could be our voters is a problem. But also I think there's a significant percentage of these these protest votes, these both sides are evil votes that gravitated towards Trump because they viewed him as outside of the system and uncorruptible because of his business background or, you know, his apprentice 
persona, et cetera. And so we need to take these folks seriously. What I would point folks to, and then I'd love to hear from Jason and Shannon on this, is what happened in 2018 when Democrats took over the House? What was the first thing they did? Well, they passed H.R. 1, which is a bill. It was called the For the People Act. And if you read this bill, you'll see what happens when Democrats are taking power in the modern era. You know, let's forget about what happened under Bill Clinton or even in the first Obama term where we could have been a lot better on some of these campaign finance issues. What what are these new Democrats doing? Uh, they passed this bill that uh, included public financing with a, of campaigns with a six to one match and only matching donations up to $200, so increasing the power of grassroots donations. It included a, a push for a constitutional amendment to end Citizens United to try to end the unlimited, uh, the force of unlimited spending in politics. They also passed through the House the Disclose Act, which would make these big super PACs have to disclose their donations. It also would end partisan gerrymandering. And then you could also compare that to the kinds of justices that we put on the Supreme Court, who are people who are trying to limit the influence of money in politics. So I wouldn't defend the history of Democrats on this because we haven't been perfect on this, but I would say this new group of Democrats they are fixated on cleaning up money and politics and cleaning up Washington generally. Yeah, Shannon, you're constantly accused of like coming from like what Soros money and all that stuff, which we know is not true. So. <laughs> yeah, you know, I um, I think it's so important to recognize that this is the most important election of our lifetime, if not in our nation's history, and there is a lot that needs to get fixed, but we only fix that by electing the right president, by flipping the Senate, by holding the House, uh, by changing the makeup of state legislatures. And I think when you look at gun violence prevention, it's a good example of that. You know, as soon as we flipped the House in 2018, bills were passed that would save American lives like HR8, which would require a background check on every gun sale, like a bill to close the Charleston loophole, um, like a bill to uh, reauthorize VAWA, or to fund gun violence prevention research, right? So I think it's clear which side is going to be serious about protecting uh, democracy, protecting American lives, and it's all in the line, right? This is for all the marbles, and that's why we are asking every single American to get off the sidelines. We thought we'd be ringing physical doorbells now, but instead we're ringing digital doorbells. And there are ways to get out the vote right now. And I would just ask everyone who's listening to us to to get involved. When somebody says this to you, and it's common, right? Because people are like, it's an excuse to just, ah, I, I, I'm not going to invest my time to pay attention because it's all corrupt. I think it's a really good opportunity to just get on the same side with them and go, totally agree. It's terrible. And it's really upsetting. And that's why I'm supporting the party that's trying to change it. And then you have to acknowledge, you have to say, yeah, I mean, it's really upsetting that both parties engage in this like system we have to fund campaigns. But I'm really excited that there is one party that is like, this system sucks and we should change it. You know, because I think that makes sense to people. And totally. Just a reminder to our listeners to keep sending us voicemails. And our number is 508-687-2589. That's 508-687-2589. Let us know what's on your mind, what you're dealing with out there. You know, I do have Trump supporters in my family, my husband's family, my own family. Um, and it's been interesting to watch how it's going to play out uh, going into the election. Uh, some of them still diehard Trump supporters. But when you look at someone like my dad, who voted for Donald Trump because he believed uh, that he was the candidate who most aligned with his Catholic ideology has changed his mind. Now, you can probably look at, you know, whether he voted against Hillary Clinton 
for sexist reasons and, and Joe Biden is for that reason a more palatable candidate to him, I am at least glad that he is, he's gonna be doing the right thing in 2020. Um, but the interesting thing about all the Trump supporters in my family is they all support gun safety. They all think a background check on every gun sale is common sense. They all support red flag laws. They all support disarming domestic abusers. So that's why our strategy as an organization is to get people to the polls to vote on this issue specifically, because it really does transcend party lines. How much of that is a product of them being close to you and your activism and your involvement in this versus just sort of a general migration like the rest of the population? There, I can tell you there are a lot of other issues, pretty much every other issue we disagree on. This is the one place where there is common ground. And yes, I'm working on it, but I feel passionately about a whole host of other issues too, right? Because I am a progressive voter and we have never been able to bridge the gap on those other issues, but this is the one where we can come together and say, this is common sense. I can tell you when I first got involved in this work, my dad was concerned that I was somehow, you know, threatening the constitution. <laughs> and the more he- That's a normal, that's a normal family dynamic that um, <laughs> you know, concerned the parents In America, have. it certainly yeah. is. <laughs> and the more that, that we talked about it, the more he came to see that this was just really about, uh, restoring the responsibilities that go along with gun rights. And as I mentioned, my dad is very Catholic and very anti-abortion and came to see that supporting gun violence prevention really was part of a so-called pro-life agenda, at least it should be. I think that is what moved him toward supporting it. But also now, you know, he and, and my stepmom show up in Moms Demand Action shirts at events, right? So it's not like they're just supporting it. They're actually getting off the sidelines. And again, this is someone who voted for Donald Trump. All right. Well, with that, Ravi, news of the week. What do you want to talk about? All right. So Trump has been on his heels because of a story that started in the Atlantic. Uh, Jeffrey Goldberg reported just a series of quotes uh, inside the Trump administration of Trump uh, denigrating our troops. It, it, you know, one the most prominent example was when in 2018 Trump was visiting France. He decided not to go to a cemetery uh, that had. American uh, soldiers who had been killed um, buried there. He said that the helicopter couldn't fly in because of the rain and that the Secret Service wouldn't drive him there. Mind you that the Secret Service drives people in Afghanistan and in Iraq and places like that. Uh, I could imagine uh, they could have driven through some rain in France. But uh, of course, those two claims weren't true. That's not why he didn't visit the cemetery. And um, four people, at least four people on background for this article, said that he didn't want to go for two reasons. One is he didn't want to mess up his hair. And two, because he didn't believe it was important to honor American war dead. And he said, why should I go to that cemetery? It's filled with losers. And in a separate conversation on the same trip, he referred to more than 1,800 Marines who lost their lives in one battle as suckers for getting killed. There were other anecdotes in this article, including how Trump reacted to McCain's funeral. So this was new reporting, but that confirms a trail of information and, and Trump's response was predictable. Jason, you went on TV and had a, a bit of a, a viral moment. Uh, let's listen to just a piece of that. The fact that Vladimir Putin currently has a price on the head of our soldiers and he doesn't stand up to him. The fact that he uses soldiers and Marines and sailors and airmen and Coasties as props in parades and as captive audiences for overtly political speeches. And as you just mentioned, one that's deeply personal to me, he has said that combat veterans who are not stricken with post-traumatic stress are strong and that those like myself 
who are stricken with post-traumatic stress, they simply can't handle it. And I'll tell you the difference between these two people, and that is that when I made my announcement that I was taking a step off the stage for a while to deal with post-traumatic stress, Vice President Biden didn't just you know, make a public statement calling that brave. He called me that day. He texted me that day. He checked up on me. This isn't about any of the things I just mentioned, this indictment on President Trump. At the end of the day, the reason that he will lose the vote of military families and current military members is because we know a leader when we see one. Mm. And he is not it. This is a little different than I think these other media appearances that we've talked about where you've inserted a joke or whatnot. Like you were truly appalled about what the president has said. How can it be that we have this party on the other side that loves to wrap itself in the flag who seems to be looking the other way uh, at Trump's trail of comments on stuff like this? And, and what can we do about it? And is it going to matter in this election? Well, ultimately, I think what it demonstrates again is that the Republican establishment really is not even wrapping themselves in the flag so much as anything that'll help them hang on to power. Like, that's really what, what they're about. And that's not a surprise. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I went on TV and, and I ended up getting, I was, I was increasingly angry as I was talking about it. And I, I guess the takeaway from it is the same advice that Don Lemon gave me live on TV, which is get angry about it. If you're angry about it, it's okay to be angry. And I think that's the advice that I would give people is if this report makes you angry, don't hesitate to display that because that passion is persuasive. But the other thing I would I would make sure people understand is that Trump's out on this with people who are predisposed his direction but possible possibly persuadable is to just keep denying it. So that then those people have a safe harbor of, well, he says he didn't say it. These are anonymous sources. So for that reason, just don't even worry about what it says in the article. There's so much stuff that he said publicly that no one can deny that's worth being upset about. And this is Trump's America. So when I think about like sitting down with people like my brother served in Afghanistan. I have, uh, you know, a lot of my relatives, uh, I'm going all the way back to the Revolutionary War on my mom's side, fought in different wars. Like the question is, what are you fighting for? Like if you're flying the American flag, what does that mean to you? We're always now trained to be on the defensive as progressives that we need to constantly defend our patriotism. And I think it's time for us to just call bullshit on this and say, when you fly this flag right now as a Republican, my assumption is that you're flying it for the 35% of people that are going to be with you no matter what, and that your biggest enemies, as we've seen by the public debate around Ukraine, Russia, bounties on American soldiers, a president who denigrates our soldiers going back to every possible war. Now now, now we're at World War I. Like, we're going to keep going. You're for the 35%, not for the, uh, all the different uh, stars on that flag. And so maybe we need to start to asking Republicans, sure, fly that flag, but you need to take at least half of those stars off of that flag if you're going to do that. Shannon, you have to deal with this all the time because it feels like everybody, I mean, because I watch the people who come after you on social and everything, and they say horrible things and call you un-American and all that. And every time, like, it seems you look at their profile and it's like, I'm pro-America. And so, like, how do you answer this in the world of being for gun safety and at the same time, you know, being a good American? It's important to remember that America has a 25 times higher gun homicide rate than any other high-income country in the world, right? So if, if the NRA's theory that more guns and fewer gun laws make us safer were true, we wouldn't have a 25 times higher gun homicide rate. It's pretty obvious when you look at the data that if you truly are pro-America, which means you're pro-American life, then you would support stronger gun laws. This experiment of allowing gun lobbyists to write our nation's gun laws had a very logical outcome. 
And that's what we're living through. And that's what we have to change. And look, there is certainly a Second Amendment. And there is a right to own a gun if you believe that that will make you safer, if you feel you need a gun for self-defense. But what we're seeing, which essentially are armed insurrectionists showing up to undermine democracy, to silence the opposition, that was never the intention of the Second Amendment. We have a segment we call Quarantine Corner. So to, to break up uh, these very weighty subjects, we just kind of share things that happen in our lives uh, during this stay-at-home period of time and, and for you, <laughs> the apocalypse that's happening outside of your window. I'll start. Uh, I took off last week, uh, the entire week from, from my official arena business, thinking that I was going to have a relaxing week, and I realized that I can't. I'm, like, incapable of, of relaxing I filled my entire week up with stuff. I had LASIK surgery. I moved. I created a deadline where I needed to send pages of this uh, this thing I'm working on writing-wise every single day. And I wound up, at the end of the week, needing a vacation for my time off. And I was like exhaling just to go back to work. So I think I have a huge problem. So that's that's my big realization of, of the week. <laughs> Jason, what, did you, what do you have for us this uh, week? I actually was going to mention... Season two of The Boys, you know, Diana and I are all over the show. It's just such a fun look at what it would really be like if we had superheroes. Like they have Instagram pages and they work for a corporation and most of them are completely corrupt and they have endorsement deals. And the show's a little violent. But other than that, man, it is just top notch entertainment. Shannon? My husband is this very no-nonsense healthcare executive, and I have convinced him to watch reality television with me, including the new season of Real Housewives of Potomac. And he was very conflicted about this because I could tell he enjoyed it a great deal, and yet he thought, you know, it was making him dumber in real time. <laughs> and so he woke up the other day and said, you know, I thought about this in the middle of the night, and if I call it documentary light, then it's palatable. I can do this. And so that's what we now refer to reality television as around here, which is documentary light. Documentary, very <laughs> light. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I, I want to thank, by the way, um, our listeners who uh, took us up on the challenge to do the MRF uh, this week. And, what, what is and the MRF? Wait, what is the MRF? Yeah, Jason, you want to explain what okay, it is? Okay, so uh, the MRF is a workout uh named in honor of and created by this guy, Michael P. Murphy, who was a, a Navy SEAL uh, lieutenant who uh, was awarded the Medal of Honor posthumously. He died uh, in Afghanistan. And he created this workout that is insane. It is a one-mile run followed by 100 pull-ups, followed by 200 push-ups, followed by 300 air squats, followed by a mile run. And uh, you have the option of whether to wear body armor or a 20-pound vest while you do it. Oh, and nice. so... Uh, yeah, and, and there's a foundation, uh, Murph Challenge Foundation. So Ravi challenged our, our listeners to do it. You know, I do it every Memorial Day. I did it. I think I'm a great deal more sore uh, from doing it over Labor Day than Ravi is. I won't be doing the Murph, but I am happy to watch <laughs> videos of you doing it while I eat candy corn. Given that we're in 2020, you might be pulling your hair out or you might just be losing it because you're stressed the hell out like many of us. Either way, we have a product for you. If you're impacted by weakened or thinning hair, know you're not alone, and there's a solution that can help, Nutrafol. Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting the five root causes of thinning, stress, 
hormones, environment, nutrition, and metabolism. Nutrafol is physician-formulated to be 100% drug-free. They use medical-grade botanicals in consistently effective dosages so you get the most reliable results. In fact, in a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months. More than 1,500 top doctors also recommend Nutrafol as an effective and high-quality solution for healthier hair. No matter your stage in life, Nutrafol has a solution. They are ideal if you're experiencing thinning hair caused by stress, dieting, overstyle, and environmental toxins. Their women's balance formula even includes additional hormone support for those with thinning hair through menopause. As Nutrafol's powerful ingredients bring your body back into balance, you may also notice improvements to your overall well-being, including more restful sleep, less stress, and better skin, nails, and libido. When you subscribe, you'll receive automatic monthly deliveries so you never miss a dose. You can grow thicker, healthier hair, and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com taking their hair wellness quiz for personalized recommendations using the promo code M54. New customers will get 20% off. This is their best offer available anywhere. And you'll also receive free shipping on every order. Get 20% off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code M54. Today's program is brought to you by Athletic Greens. It's the all-in-one daily drink to support better health and peak performance. Even with a balanced diet, it's difficult to cover all of your nutritional bases. That's where Athletic Greens will help. Their daily drink is like nutritional insurance for your body that's delivered straight to your door. Yeah, and I've been really excited, Jason, about this one for a while. I drink it every morning. It's the first thing I do every morning before I walk out the door, even before I drink coffee. I kept telling you, you're going to try this stuff and you're going to feel like Superman. And now you're a few weeks into using Athletic Greens, Jason. How do you feel? I mean, honestly, really, I love it. I'm not just saying that I was taking a multivitamin. I've taken a multivitamin for a long time. I no longer take that multivitamin because I, I drink Athletic Greens. It is the first thing I do every morning when I wake up as well. What I really love about this is that no matter what your kind of diet, keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, this supplement is going to help you. What makes it really special is that it's derived from whole food sources. So it just gives you an extra pep in your step. So uh, whether you're looking to boost your energy levels, support your immune system, or address your gut health, now's the perfect time to try Athletic Greens for yourself. So simply visit athleticgreens.com majority. That's athleticgreens.com majority to claim a special offer today and receive a free D3K2 wellness bundle with your first purchase. That's up to one year supply of vitamin D as added value when you try their delicious and comprehensive daily all-in-one drink. You'd be hard-pressed to find a more comprehensive nutritional bundle anywhere else. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash majority. Let's go to this week in misinformation. For this week's segment, we're going to start with a listener question. Hello, my name is Cindy. I really appreciate your podcast. I've been making phone calls, phone bank calls, and I hear from some undecided voters, they are concerned that Biden supports defunding the police. That is a thing that I hear continuously. I've heard it several times. I'd like to have some sort of retort for that. Thank you very much. Bye. Uh, well, thank you for this question. This is obviously something that the GOP has been trying to place into the minds of undecided and independent voters. And if you want any evidence of that, just look to the convention where Steve Scalise, Jim Jordan, Kimberly Guilfoyle, and a, a litany of, of Trump surrogates went out and made this claim. Here's a couple of things to know. Number one is that Biden's, and I'm going to give you the facts, and then we could talk about like the actual effective way to respond to this, but uh, 
Biden's criminal justice plan actually increases the number of police officers on the streets. And this is through a program called Community Orienting Policing Services, which is a program that he helped spearhead in the 90s. And he wants to expand that program. And he has, if you look to PolitiFact and other independent fact checkers, they will show you that Biden is consistent on this, that he does not support defunding the police. And not only is Biden um, in favor of increasing the right kinds of police and has, has said, I think most people, most cops are good, which is a direct quote from him. The Republicans actually have been in favor of defunding the police. And it's something that's not talked about a lot. And shout out to Matt, Matthew Iglesias uh, at Vox, who's written about this. The Trump administration in February supported a 58 percent cut to the federal government's cops hiring program, uh, which would have led to less police officers on the streets. And their budget proposals have routinely called for huge cuts to this program, which is a program that actually started under the Clinton administration. So whereas Biden's trying to increase the right kind of police uh, and has been consistent in saying he doesn't want to defund the police, Republicans, through their austerity, actually are in favor of defunding the police. I'm not sure if that's going to do the job, though. So I would love to hear from Jason and Shannon about what they think uh, is going to persuade the you know Uncle Sal at the dinner table. I think it's making sure to redefine it as police reform and just explaining that First of all, he he chose as a running mate somebody who many on the left objected to and would literally call a cop. I mean, a lot of people are like Kamala Harris is a cop. So someone who's wanting to defund the police doesn't doesn't pick a prosecutor as their running mate. Uh, and but I think you just emphasize, look, what he's talked about is is just changing the way we do policing and and to make it better. It's something I say on the pod all the time that the Black Lives Matter movement, for instance, is not. Uh, you know, anti-police, it's anti-bad policing. And then the other thing is, anytime you're having a conversation like this one with voters, and, and first of all, thank you for, for making these calls. I think the key is get in a conversation, ask more questions, ask them why they're concerned about that specifically. Let them tell you what it is that that makes them feel, what they're afraid of, and then just personalize it and and say, look, let me tell you why I'm volunteering my time for, for Biden. I'm not getting paid to do this. I'm at home right now. My kids are going crazy in the other room. You know, There's other things I'd rather be doing. And I wouldn't be doing that if I thought that there were going to be no such thing as police departments anymore if he got elected. So let me tell you about you know why I'm so passionate. I think it's really a, a fascinating conversation because, look, Black activists have told us they want to call it defunding the police, and they've made it clear what they mean by that, right? That's not to get rid of all police in America. It is to take that funding and use it in different ways. And so I think it's important to listen to those activists. I also think it's important to realize that conservatives are taking that language and trying to use it as, as a wedge. And it's no different really than how the gun lobby has used the phrase gun control to make it seem as though, you know, guns were going to be confiscated and the Second Amendment would be undone when, in fact, it just means restoring responsibilities that go along with gun rights. So I think we can't get caught up in the language. Um, Joe Biden has made it very clear that, that he supports good police, but there's also probably, not probably, there is a better way to do it. When you look at gun violence and the way it disproportionately impacts Black and Brown Americans, especially police violence, it goes to show you that this is, this is an issue that we have to pay attention to and that we have to care about. Police violence is gun violence. And Joe Biden and Kamala Harris recognize that. And that will make such a huge difference, I think, in, in democracy and in fairness um, and also in protecting Americans' lives. And so if we get too caught up in, in this phrase of defunding the police, we lose the bigger picture, which is police violence is real 
and it is impacting certain communities disproportionately and we have to care about all gun violence right it's it isn't just the mass shootings or the school shootings it's also gun suicides and gun homicides and city gun violence and unintentional shootings and all of it matters and and if we get so bogged down in the language we won't make change it's a great point because if you look at what ravi and i just talked about both of us sort of surrendered to the frame that the Republicans have put on this debate, which is unfair and misleading and and the very heart of, you know, misinformation. And I think your point is a really well taken one, Shannon, which is we don't actually have to accept the bogus premise of what they're doing. We could just push back and say, well, can we talk about what that phrase, you know, Biden's not for that, but can we talk about what that phrase actually means? Shannon, we have a, a, a segment we call unsolicited campaign advice. And this is where we offer a tip to campaigns uh, up and down the ballot. Uh, do you have anything for us, like anything you'd want our, our campaigns, candidates, staffers, volunteers on the ground to know as we head into this final stretch? People I know are busy, right? They're, they're suddenly stay-at-home parents. They're, they're teachers. Um, they have full-time jobs. I know people are busy, but you can find... 15 minutes to make calls. Um, and, and the interesting thing that we're finding is that people are picking up, unlike, you know, in the last election cycles, I guess they want someone to talk to. Um, and, and you can have a conversation with people about who they should vote for, when and how to vote, and it will make a difference where you live. And, and we even have the technology uh, and Moms Demand Action and Students Demand Action to call into other states. Maybe you live in a state where you've got you know, great representation, but we need you to call into Arizona and Texas and Pennsylvania and the battleground states. Um, and there's so many states where all we need is to win a few states to have what we call a gun sense majority, and it will make a huge difference. I mean, Virginia is a great example of that, right, where we flip both chambers of the General Assembly in 2019, and now we have seven new gun safety laws, and on top of that, we have the first ever woman speaker, and they ratified the ERA, and they passed police reform legislation, and on and on and on, Med right? Medicaid expansion. And so, and exactly. So making those calls and sending those texts matters, and, and I just would encourage people to, to get involved. If you want to get involved with, with our organization, we're moms and others. We're not just, you know, we're not just moms. Uh, we're not just women. You can text the word ready to 64433. We will immediately reach out to you and help you plug in. We have an award to give out, Jason, and I think this one is near and dear to your heart. Who are we going to recognize this week? I think this might be a, another repeat award winner. Uh, yes. Yeah, so we're doing the Lindsey Graham Total Capitulation and Submissal Award. Uh, and this week, it's going to go to Bill Barr, uh, Bill Barr, the attorney general. He said, so what happened was is Trump went and and encouraged people in North Carolina to vote twice. He said, you know, get your mail in and then and then go in and vote just to, to see if they have it. But basically, he told people to vote twice. And in response to this, Somebody asked Bill Barr about it, and Bill Barr said, you know, I don't know what the law in that particular state says. You know, North Carolina's chief elections officer clarified that it is a class one felony, as if that needed to be clarified, uh, in North Carolina to vote twice in an election and attempting to vote twice in an election or soliciting someone to do so also, which is what the president just did, is a violation of North Carolina law. And, you know, I'll just start on this one and say that I would like to put it out in the world that in the age of Google, no public official should be allowed to answer, I haven't seen it, or I haven't read it, or I haven't looked that up. If 
at least two hours have passed since that major news broke. Like, that's just a new, like, for journalists listening to this, I feel like that should not be an acceptable answer anymore. This is the party that's trying to tell you that they're about law and order. And it's it's exhausting even trying to catalog the instances where either Trump officials have been, as we talked about with Stacey Abrams, how many of them have been indicted and convicted of crimes and now pardoned, some of them. And then we had more news of, of Trump officials being indicted after that, or the president if, like breaking the law and we have no mechanisms to hold him accountable for it, which was part of what impeachment was about. And then now explicitly breaking the law and encouraging his supporters to do so at the same time he's trying to run on a law and order platform. And you just can't pick and choose the laws that you want to enforce here. Both of you, uh, you know, Ravi, you, you run Arena Shannon, you run Mom's Demand. If somebody associated with your organization said or did something really inflammatory that was a viral moment and, and everybody knew about it, wouldn't curiosity get the best of you and you'd be like, I should probably watch that video or read that? Wouldn't you actually do that like right away, Shannon? Uh, yes, absolutely. I mean, th this is, you know, they're making excuses. And to your point, in 2020, with the technology we have, you can't claim ignorance. There's no way. Yeah, like, if you're the Attorney General of the United States and the President says, you know, go out and vote twice, <laughs> like, one, you already <laughs> know that's illegal. Two, there's no way in the world that you're not like, I'm going to need to see that video right away. <laughs> like, it's just, people say this all the time. Like, there was a, I, I don't remember which one it was, but there was a police shooting incident recently where the local sheriff was like, well, I haven't watched the video. And I'm like, really? Because all of America has watched the video and it was one of your officers. So perhaps get curious. Anyway. Maybe, then a reporter should just say, here it is. I've got it right here on my phone. Exactly. Yes. Just just take out your phone and be like, okay, um, you got 30 seconds? I could just hit play right here. Uh, all right. Well, end of rant. <laughs> It's time for Grab an Oar, and I want to start us off. I have two staff members at Arena who are wonderful, Julia Leitner and Santiago Martinez, who started a podcast called Boiler Room, and it's a service to you, folks out there on the trail, and they pick different aspects of campaigning every week, and they do a deep dive into it. So episode one was about hiring campaign staff and volunteers. Episode two is about campaign planning, and episode three is about targeting voters, uh, and so you can go on um, Apple uh, podcast or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe. You can also go to arena.run slash toolbox uh, to find it. It's called uh, Boiler Room, an arena podcast. And I hope you check Shannon, it out. tell us something you want to make sure everybody knows about. I want to make sure everyone knows that we have the technology to make them amazing activists. And even in this age of COVID-19, that they can be just as effective online as they have been in person, if not more. I mean, frankly, we're finding that this technology is making our work more equitable and more inclusive. And if people text the word ready to 64433, again, we're mothers and others, um, we will give you access to cutting edge technologies that enable you to make phone calls and to send emails and to reach out to your peer groups and make sure people are registered to vote, make sure they know who to vote for, when to vote, how to vote, but also to make sure they know who their GunSense candidates are. And if anyone is curious who's listening to us, you can go to gunsensevoter.org. The NRA's A rating is no longer a badge of honor. It is a scarlet letter. And we have our own rating system and you can find that there. Yeah, I want to underline this because I, I hear from so many people on social media and otherwise 
who just have such an incredible degree of like angst and worry. And COVID obviously makes that worse because they're like, I don't feel like I can do anything about this. I feel like, you know, the fact that I've had the chance to become a Biden surrogate, what it's done for me is it's given me some feeling of agency over the situation. I have no idea if going on TV and, you know, doing my little dance has any real, you know, effect, but it makes me feel like I'm doing something. I know that much. And I know that making calls definitely makes a difference. So for everybody listening to this, who is feeling that lack of agency and that feeling of, I wish the election would just happen now so that we know what happens and I don't have to worry about this anymore. The best cure for that is just be doing something about it. Text the word READY to 64433. All right. Well, Shannon, thank you for being the very first repeat guest in the history of Majority 54. Uh, I feel like there should be a plaque, but we don't have that kind of budget. Uh, so This is such an unbelievable <laughs> honor. Thank you. It, you know, it's like when Saturday Night Live, I think Tom Hanks is like the, the guy who's shown yeah. up the most. I feel like that. And so at some point we need to start planning the, the third Absolutely. Oh, sure. Discussion. Sure. I mean, you are our Tom Hanks. And, and at some point, if we have additional <laughs> repeat guests, perhaps we will have a show where the cold open will just be like you and like Stacey Abrams and I don't know, some other people yep. that will come on more than once. My buddy Scuba Steve, who is, you know, the elementary school principal, we'll just bring everybody back. So anyway, that sounds amazing. Thank you again Uh, for everybody. uh, You want to find Shannon on social media. uh, She's at Shannon R. Watts on Twitter and Instagram. Ravi is at Ravi M. Gupta on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, And then I'm at Jason Cantor on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. The show is at Majority 54 on Twitter. Uh, You know, a little thing I was going to ask people to do this week. Show us what you're doing while you listen. You know, laundry, walking the dog, working out. You know, just take a little shot of it. Tag at Majority54 on Twitter or tag me or Ravi on Instagram so that we can say thanks and we can get a sense of, you know, what you're doing while you listen to the show. All right. Thanks, everybody. Remember, we all have a platform. Make sure to use yours today. Majority 54 is a Wonder Media Network production. It's produced by Grace Lynch and Edie Allard. Theme music provided by Kimmet Coleman. Special thanks to Diana Kander. Hi, listeners, it's Robbie with a question for you. What if instead of being on the brink of disaster, we're on the cusp of a better world? For that answer, I recommend listening to the What Could Go Right podcast. Each week, Progress Network founders Zachary Carabell and Executive Director Emma Varvalukas dive into the biggest news and most pressing topics of our time, from elections to climate change, and make the case for a brighter future with guests like Harvard Professor Arthur C. Brooks and California State Senator Robert Hertzberg. Progress is on the way. Find out on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts.